Wonderful to be here. I'd like to take you straight away to the scripture, John chapter 9, verses 1 through 9. I want to share with you my testimony, but in the light of what I'm going to speak to you about being radically transformed. Uh, the reason why I use the word radical is because I know that we pursue transformation, but I don't want to be transformed just a little bit. Um, just to just to get me thinking I'm saved and nothing more. I'm saved and you're saved and that's a great thing, but I want it to be so radical be, people begin to talk about it. Yeah. That people begin to notice it. It has to be noticeable. Because we have a community and a world to save, it has to be noticeable. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. All right, John chapter 9, verses 1 through 9. You know the story about a man that was born blind. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned? Who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And uh, Jesus answered, neither, this, neither had this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Sometimes we think that the tsunami is of the devil, but actually, you know what? Most challenges, if you're a Christian, God is behind it. Now, God doesn't hurt, God doesn't bring disease and sickness, but God can allow it. We need to start thinking of those terms. What is God trying to do in my life rather than it must be because I, I failed? It must be because the devil is after me. These things are real. But God said, Look, it's not his parents. It's not even him. It's because I'm about to do something. I'm about to radically transform him that people will begin to question the authenticity of his transformation. And then he says, the night is coming when no man can work. And as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of this world. Verse 6, when he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sin. So he went and washed and came back seeing. And therefore, the neighbors, and this is where it gets really interesting. The neighbors and those who had previously, I'll paraphrase, gotten used to his condition, who had previously had seen that he was blind, said, is this not he who sat and begged? Verse 9 says, this is he. Others said, well, it sure looks like him. <laughs> and then the man said, I am he. I am he. I was blind. Now I see. You may be seated. Thank you for standing so long. God wants to finish what he began in you. He has transformed you when he filled you with the spirit, when you obeyed the gospel. There was a transformation that started. But he's not through with us yet. And so we cannot be through with us yet. God's not finished. Why on earth would we want to get to a place where we're finished? We cannot be done. We need to be disciples so that we go and make disciples. We cannot make disciples if we're not discipled. Radical transformation is vital in that whole process. When he completes the process of refining me and refining you, the process of testing your faith, your journey of pain, the challenge, you will come forth 
as gold. The faith in which you believe will be nothing like it was before. Don't you want that kind of faith? I want prayer meetings where people get saved in the prayer meetings. I don't want to wait till church starts and people start getting the Holy Ghost. I want prayer meetings where people on the street feel something is going on. They pull in their car. They park their car. Then they come into the prayer meeting at 9 o'clock at Bethlehem. And then they get saved. And then church is just a celebration of what happened in the prayer meeting. The faith in which I believe, I don't want it to be like yesterday's faith. I don't want to eat old manna. I want to eat new food and freshness because he said his faith, his love, his mercy is new every morning. So if it's new every morning, I don't have to live off last week's testimony or last year's. I want a testimony today. I want God to be so fresh and alive in my life that I want every day to see his faithfulness, his grace, his strength, his power. I want him to be made manifest in my life in such a way that people talk about it. I want the anointing with which you pray be like nothing you've prayed before. That it is so increased that when you would go to a store, people will start following you around and it's not security. <laughs> you could have two kind of people following you around. One security. and You know, I, I went to a store not long ago and I'm going to have to share this. This is not a whatever, but it, it just upset me because I was standing in a long checkout line and there were some people, uh, one or two in front of me, and then there was this lady that was having her things, you know, uh, her, her groceries or whatever, being checked out, and there was this young girl doing that, and that lady was, well, she looked like me. I mean, <laughs> I think she was a church person. And she was so angry with that young girl. She said, this said, it, well, you know, it was, it was supposed to be 25% off, and, and it's not, and you got it in the wrong, and she was giving such, I want to see the manager. And I was like, okay, just calm down. Don't take her out. <laughs> you, you, I, I, I am just, I'm just community focused. You're community focused. We've got to be. So we've got to watch what we do when we're in the store, not just in church. I cannot have two lives. I can't walk around with two lives. I can't be loving and lovey-dovey and spiritual here because people are watching and over there give people a hard time like they don't matter. They matter. I want, I want every checkout girl at Walmart to be worshiping here next Sunday. We can't do that. I'm sorry. I just, I said this at ladies' meeting. I counsel people every day, Monday to Saturday. Sunday is off. Well, not for me anyway, because I'm in church. And, and so I get, I get, you know, people are wonderful. Love my clients, love people who come see me for counseling. But then there are some stories they tell me. I don't know what to do, you know, help them or shoot them. I'm not sure. 
but, 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 you know, so I come to, I, I get away and come to wonderful churches like Bethlehem just to vent. Like I said, now just to vent. So if I'm venting, be patient with me, please help me. Help me, you know, pray me through later. I, I, I need it. And so it, it's, it's just, it's, it, I was just standing there mortified. This girl was crying, the young girl. And this lady was just on her. And she looked like me. That was made, what made me mortified. I wanted to tell the girl, she doesn't go to my church. I don't know her. I don't care what kind. She doesn't go to my church. But anyway, finally, thank God, the lady left. So I went to this girl and I, and I said, I'm so sorry that happened to you. She said, oh, it's okay. It's part of my job. I said, no, that's, it's not part of your job. I'm very, very sorry that happened to you. I'm a Christian. Can I pray with you? I just wanted to, you know, just make it right. You know, take back that reputation. That was being shot in front of me. I want to be radically transformed. That when I go to a store or a pharmacy to fill a prescription, I want people to just come up to me and say, hey, I don't know who you are, but there's something about you. Can I talk to you? God can make, God, make it easy for me. Make it easy for them. Make it easy so that people follow us around and say, I need to talk to you because I perceive that you'd been with Jesus. Who are you? I want people to ask me that. And sometimes people have. Sometimes people have come up to me and said, you know, there's something, I want to talk to you, something about you. But not often enough. Not often enough. I want it to happen every day, every time I get out. I want people to just come to me and want to talk to me. And for that, I need to be so full of Jesus to the point where people talk about it. To the point where people, that the miracle that God is performing in my life will be so completely different that I will look back and say, if it had not been for the Lord. What God wants to do in my life and your life has to be radical. It will be radical because God's radical. I mean, how do I know that? Well, he left the throne of glory and came as man to die. That's pretty radical, don't you think? He didn't send another person. He didn't, he didn't send another person. He came incarnate in the body and flesh of human so that he could die for us. It was God in the flesh. That's why we believe in one God. Not two, three, or nine. One God. I was born in a, in a family, wonderful. My mom and dad, good, good people. They just loved me and loved all of my siblings. They worked hard to provide a good living for us. Father was a very successful businessman, but we were his life. Not, not his business, even though he had all, but we were the center of his life. And he was my best friend. Dad was my best friend. I was a daddy's girl. You know, I would go to him and talk about everything. Math, science, boys. And he would, he would just listen. And he would not just, he would love me. And he would, he would just affirm me. I was his favorite. I just didn't advertise it. 
I didn't want to find myself in a hole in a desert like Joseph. Anyway, um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so he was my best friend, and I became very ill. I became very sick as a teenager. And uh, nobody knew why. The doctors just prescribed painkillers and painkillers. And after a while, it's just a Band-Aid on cancer. And so they did a CAT scan. They did all kinds of scans. They thought I had cancer in the brain area or whatever. They couldn't find what was wrong with me. And then they, they just could prescribe medication and injections. And it was just a horrible nightmare season in my life. And so I decided that I was going to just end it. I decided, you know what, if I had all of the bottle, of the, what was in that bottle, I would end my life. And you end your life, you end the pain. See, when you're desperate, you think desperate thoughts like that. You don't want to go there. But then, you know, desperation is a good thing. Because then you're drawn to the ultimate. Then you decide, nothing is working, I, I need God. And God lets us get to the end of ourselves. And so he let me get to the end of mine. If there's anyone today, you feel, well, I'm almost at the end of myself. Come forward and get radically transformed, and then we can all go have lunch. Get radically transformed. Very simple. You don't owe any explanation to anybody else. You come to God. Amen? Amen. All right. So I was there. There was a bottle uh, of, of pills, of painkillers and all that. I mean, I'm a, half of that would have done me in. I was just a teenager. But then I remembered that when I was a young girl, you know, there were some neighbors that would come and come to my home and knock on the door and give me tracts and said, you know, Jesus died for you. My mother and my parents would never allow me to talk to Christians. There was no way. See, my parents and my, my, my great, uh, grandparents, great-grandfather, I don't know for how long back the lineage, they were chief priests in Hindu temples. Not ordinary priests, they were chief priests. There, it was unthinkable for a daughter or granddaughter of chief priests to walk into a church, walk into any religion. They'll disown you, or worse. And so, for me... You know, there was no question that I, I was not going to be able to engage in any kind of conversation with these people that left me tracks. I was drawn to what the tracks said, but then my parents made me throw it away, so I had to throw it away. But I will never forget that in one of those tracks, it just said, Jesus saves. I remember that. It, it never left my mind. I didn't know what it meant. First of all, who's Jesus and what does he save? Can he save me? What does even save mean? And so, and so, you know, I went to, through life, the pain was there, and one night, almost midnight, not quite, I was in my room, and I remembered that tract. Never stop reaching people. Never stop giving information, a tract, it doesn't matter, traditional way, out of the box, doesn't matter. You keep doing it because there's one person out there that needs you. You are a prayer answered to that one person out there. Never get so inward focused. When you wake up in the morning, you think about who you need to reach and impact. And so I was there. I remembered this tract. And I was in my room. In that time, I was so sick, they had to bring me from my bedroom on the, on the second floor to the ground floor um, so that I would be 
uh, they, you know, if anything happened in the middle of the night and they need to take me to the hospital, I wouldn't have to come down the staircase. And so they gave me a guest bedroom on the ground floor. And my parents also moved the ground floor to another bedroom to just be near me. And so in this room, that it had wonderful, comfortable room, air, but no windows. So I was there and I remembered this. And I thought, you know what? I've got nothing to lose. So I said, if nothing happens, there's this bottle. So just before I took it and ended my life, I thought, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to shout. I'm going to call upon this Jesus that apparently saves. So Sister Wilson, I sat at the edge of my bed and I just, everybody was asleep. And I said, Jesus! Nothing. I said, well, one more time. And then, well, I tried. You have nothing to lose. Well, actually, you do. But I was going to try it one more time. I shouted, Jesus! And all of a sudden, there was this light through the wall. I mean, there was no window, so it couldn't have been street lights. It was first just a light kind of streaming light. So I kind of like looked at it, looked around. And I said, okay, well, I'm just imagining it. I didn't take any medication, so I wasn't hallucinating. <laughs> Not yet. I was going to, but I didn't at that time. And so, and the light became brighter and brighter and brighter until I couldn't look at it anymore. I didn't see a face. I was sitting there in my bed and I heard a voice. It's the only time I've ever heard an audible voice. Today, when God speaks to me, it's in my spirit, in my heart, to my mind. No, nothing audible. But at that moment, to this Hindu girl, from, from years and years of being raised as a daughter and a granddaughter and a great-granddaughter of Hindu chief priest, he said, I am Jesus. I am God. And the pain in my body, it left me in an instant. The pain left. I don't know what happened to this day. I know that he spoke the word that can heal. The only name that can heal and deliver and set free. He said, I am Jesus and I was set free from that disease. From whatever it is that was trying to kill me. It was over. And as quickly as that light appeared, it disappeared. And that's it. I found myself on the floor, on my face, and all I could do was just sob. I knew it was God. I knew Jesus came. Never saw his face. Never, never have. Just heard a voice. All I knew was, like this man, I was blind. Now I see. And so the pain had left. I don't know how long I was on that floor, Sister Wilson. Pastor, I don't know how long I was praying. I knew it was close to 12 o'clock when this happened. But when I looked at the clock, when I lifted up, it was 5 a.m. in the morning. And it felt like 20 minutes. It felt like 20 minutes with the time just... And then I, 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 through just happiness, joy, but also exhaustion, I went to sleep. Next morning, knock on the door. I was blurry-eyed and woke up, opened the door. It was my mother, daughter of the chief priest. 
She said, well, why aren't you dressed? And I was like, oh man, not 20 questions now, I'm tired. I said, what do you mean, mom? She said, why aren't you ready? I said, for what? She said, we're going to the temple, it's Friday. This was daughter of the chief priest asking me this. I wanted to lie and say I've got the flu, COVID. No, I'm just kidding, man. <laughs> I'm dying of Omicron. I couldn't. I just looked at her and I said, uh, I don't think I'm gonna come to the temple today. She said, why not, are you sick? Uh, no. She said, what, what, what's, what's going on? And then she felt my, she said, you seem normal to, I said, I'm just, I'm just tired, I, I, can't, I can't go. And something just gripped my heart when I said that. It was like God just nudging me, tell her. And I was like, you don't know her. She's daughter and granddaughter of chief priest. She'd kill me and then come after you. Please. And then she said, what is wrong? Tell me. And then, and then I, would, I just looked up and said, where's the light show now? Last night, you know. It was, the, the Lord was there, it was brilliant light and everything, now it was total silence. And I was like, thanks God, okay. And so I looked at her and I said, Mom, uh, I met God. She's like, what? I said, I met Jesus last night. Where did you meet Jesus? I said, in my room. She said, Jesus came to your room. You know, at that morning, it kind of sounded ludicrous. Last night it didn't. This morning I was like, well, you don't blame her. I sound crazy. And I said, look, <clears throat> yes. And you know all the pain? I'm not in pain anymore. She said, well, because you took medication. No, mom, showed her the bottle. I didn't take anything. I mean, I, I didn't take the medication. And I'm, I'm fine. There's no more pain. I'm, I'm, I, I used to go to bed with pain from the top of my head to the tips of my fingers, excruciating pain. There's no more pain. She said, look, I don't know what's happened to you and what's got a hold of you. I have to go to the temple right now. When I come back, we'll talk. I'm like, okay, sure. So she went. A couple of hours later, she comes back, but she doesn't come back alone. She comes with four priests. I'm like, oh, great, an exorcism. That's all I need, and I'm tired. And then I said to her, I said, okay, the priests were there. She said, come up to the living room. I came out of the living room. The priest put a chair right in the middle of the living room and they begin to circle around me, around that chair. I was seated on the chair and they begin to circle around me. And they were pushing me. They said, they said, what you experienced, your mother told us it's all a lie. You didn't see Jesus. You didn't hear from him. It's all a lie. Now." Get out of that and proclaim, declare right now that whatever you saw or felt or heard yesterday night in your room is false. See, now I know how to recognize the voice of the devil. But at that time, I didn't. All I felt compelled to do, Pastor, was just to close my eyes and say, Jesus, Jesus. I was terrified of the priest, but I, somehow there was something in me that wouldn't give in. I wouldn't deny. I couldn't deny it. They kept saying, deny it, 
It's false. Jesus is not real. It's in your mind. Deny it. Deny it. And I was like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then you know what really, really, really hurt me was when I looked up, I saw my father standing in the corner, my best friend standing in the corner. All he was doing was crying. And he was looking at me like, what are you doing? Why, why, why are you doing this? You, why? My mother kept looking at me. You brought great shame to the family. We've got to disown you. If you don't disown Jesus, we will. Dis if you don't deny him, we will deny you. And I kept looking at her, looking at my dad, f feeling really bad. I didn't care about the priest, but I was feeling more bad that I disappointed my father. And so I was like, Jesus, Jesus. They kept circling, pushing me. They hit me. And then they said, deny him, deny him. And all of a sudden, the chief among the priests, stopped, looked at me, pointed his finger at me and looked at my parents and said, we are going to leave now. We're giving up on this girl because whatever she's got is much more powerful than whatever we can do to her. So let me tell you, Bethlehem, whatever you've got, whatever you've got, Bethlehem, is much more powerful than whatever the world can do to you. I don't care if you're in college, university, in Oxford, or wherever you might be, but whatever they can, they cannot do nothing to you. No liberalism can confuse your mind. No ungodly thoughts or agenda can take you away from the will of God because this Holy Ghost is real. It's powerful. No priest, no cult, no other religion can confuse you. Certainly not Satan. He's defeated. So the priest left, Pastor. Bishop, the priest just walked out in anger and disgust. And my mother just couldn't believe that the priest gave up. She thought that, you know, whatever spirit was in me was going to be taken out by the priest. Are you kidding me? We're talking about the spirit of Jesus. Nobody moves Jesus. Nobody. And so I sat there in the chair. My father just turned away and walked into his study or whatever, and he just went off. My mom looked at me and said, well, we'll drop you off anywhere you want. So they packed my clothes. Dad gave me some money and dropped me off. I looked for churches, and one church just stood out. Gospel Lighthouse, Pentecostal church. I didn't even know what that meant. I was like, Lighthouse? What, I have to live by the sea? The Lord is very patient with babies. So I called that number. In fact, I called just before dad dropped me off. I called that number and the, um, I think the associate pastor answered and said, well, yeah, come on over. So dad, I said, dad, just drop me off at this place. He said, where is it? I said, just drop me off. He said, is it a church? I didn't say a word. I was not gonna fight with the most favorite person in my, my life. I just said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I know I hurt you, but one day you will see. He said, I will never see. And I don't want to have anything to do with this God of yours. Go. He dropped me off, moved in with some church people, kept going to school. It was paid for, thank God. <laughs> 
And so I went to Bible school as well and learned and whatever. And for a long time, I would, I would call my parents, you know, birthdays. Hey, happy birthday, click. Happy Mother's Day, mom, click. They would hang up. They wouldn't talk to me. Same dad, mom, wouldn't talk to me. So a while had went by. And one day after church, I'd gone home and I was just, you know, washing up, cleaning up, doing something. Phone rang. Long while, I, I mean, my parents would not answer. I was not invited to birthdays, funerals, weddings, any family. They cut me off. My mother said, we will celebrate your funeral. You're dead as far as we're concerned. They're good people. Please don't. They, they're very good people. They just felt very betrayed. And so, phone rang. I picked up. It was my father. I said, hello? He said, Bonnie. I said, Dad? I thought somebody passed away. Because he would, I mean, why is he calling me? I said, what's the matter? He said, he said, you know, I know his business was successful. And he said, you know, there were some things that happened in the business with some associate. And we lost some, uh, you know, we lost some stuff. And, and, um, and um, I, I, that's not why I'm calling you. But I had a dream two days ago. And I was debating whether to call you or not. I said, what was the dream about? He said, look, I know we've not talked in a long while, but I want to come and see you. I said, of course. He said, okay. He said, I said, the dream was in that dream, you were in that dream. I was in that dream. And apparently I told my dad, if you come and see me, there's something I need to tell you. He said, so I don't know. The, the, the business has suffered some loss. I had this dream. I don't know. He said, well, I said, dad. You know, of course, you know, you're a new convert and you know some new scriptures. So you want to try it on on some people. <laughs> so I said, Dad, I know the owner of cattle on a thousand hills. Because, you know, he said he lost money. He said, what, you know a rancher? <laughs> yeah. Don't try it out on everybody. Doesn't work. And then I'm like... I'm like, no, never mind. So you want to come and meet me? He said, yes. Well, I'm going to the church this afternoon. He said, I'm not coming to meet you in your church. I'll come to your house. So I said, oh, no. And then the Holy Ghost. I said, Dad, you don't have to come inside the church. Meet me at the parking lot. <laughs> step by step. Here a little, there a little. So, we're sneaky, y'all. Anyway, so, so I told him, uh, come to the, he said, okay, I'll come to the parking lot. So he drove in uh, and drove into the parking lot and parked the car, wound down the window, looked at me, he had tears in his eyes, he had not seen me in a while, and he said, come on inside the car. I said, look, Dad, if I, can't, if I come in the car, you're going to, you know, the ignition will be on and, it, and it'll heat up. Why don't, listen, there's nothing going on in the church building and there's air, cool air in the foyer. We don't even have to just sit in the foyer and talk comfortably. He said, what? I said, it's not Sunday. There's nobody there. It's just you and me. He said, okay. See, I forgot that Tuesday was prayer meeting. I know, I know you don't believe me, but I really forgot it was prayer. I forgot it was prayer meeting because I was so excited to see my dad. I just forgot that there was some powerful intercessors in there that was more dangerous than a Sunday service. You know? So, so what happened was I was, I was standing there and, 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 then, and then he said, all right. So, you know, he, he, he switched off the engine, came out and uh, there were double doors and we walked in pretty much like that. We walked in to the foyer 
And as soon as we walked in, we both heard the sound coming from inside the prayer meeting. Oh! I was like, oh. I said, why are you doing this to me? He'll never come back. It'll be my fault. And, and, and my father stopped. I stopped. And, and then I, I just, I was like, okay, maybe he didn't hear it. You know? Maybe he thought it was the plumbing. Sorry. But anyway, um, and so we kept going, and another, oh, and then tongues. And I was like, I just stopped. He stopped. He looked at me and said, what was that? I was like, what? <laughs> what was what? Uh, what are you talking about? And he said, he said, what was that? I said, oh, oh, that, that, oh, well, let me tell you. You know how we are. We keep apologizing for Jesus all the time. We bring a visitor and somebody runs the aisle. Don't worry, well, I'm not like that. God can take care of anyone who brings you, you bring here. You don't have to apologize for any of the move of the Holy Ghost, no matter how strange it gets, no matter how vivacious, no matter how passionate. You don't have to apologize and tell them, don't worry, I'm not. No. You say, look, this, is, this church is radical. We love God. We make some noise. We shout, we run, we dance, we pray. That's us. We're radical. We're changed. God knows how to take care of the perception of every guest that you will bring here. Well, I didn't know that yet, but so, and my father, he was standing there, and, uh, and, and he said, what was that? I said, oh, yeah, let me tell you what that was. You know that some people, they pray, they pray real quiet, you know, like me. Uh, uh, they pray in their heart, and, and, and they just are very quiet, and some people are not. And he said, he said, no, I'm not talking about that. I said, is that, that, is that the voice that you heard, right, Is somebody crying out? He said, No. No, I'm not, I'm not referring to that. He said, as soon as I walked in this foyer, something gripped me. I said, really? He said, yes. I've got goosebumps on goosebumps, he said. He said, I've got hair standing on. What was that? What is it that is gripping me? What is that? I feel some kind of a presence here. What is that? I said, well, I said, Dad, that's Jesus. He said, so Jesus is just he's, he's, he's gripping me. I said, I guess. <laughs> I said, can we go in? He said, yeah. Okay. All right, there's a prayer meeting. He said, I don't care. I need to process what's going on here. I said, okay. So we went in. We sat right at the back, like that last row. We sat right at the back because right in front, it was, it was uh, the above 60s prayer meeting. You know, the worst kind. <laughs> you know, the real power. You don't mess with a praying grandma. Don't mess with a praying grandma. Don't. 
She'll get you and gut you out, clean you up until you're fit for the master's table. So, so there was about six or seven little old ladies praying, you know, in the 70, 80. I, I, I knew every one of them. They loved me like their child, like their grandchild. And used to call them, some of them I called grandma, you know. And they were just praying and just, you know, with, with moans and groans that cannot be uttered. And, and they were just crying out. My dad was sitting right at the back. I was there. And then he was just had his head in his, had his head in his hand. And he was just like that. And I was just looking at the prayer meeting and I was worshiping. And all of a sudden, this 80-year-old lady turns around, looks directly at my father, and begins to like a stealth plane walk towards him. Just very, very calmly walk towards my dad. I saw her and I was like, uh-uh, no. No, no, you're, that's my, no, no. He's, he's here now, and that is so cool. I want him to come back next week. You're not gonna come here and do anything. And she ignored me completely. She didn't even look at me. She was just coming. She was dressed all in a black top, black skirt, and she was coming like a stealth airplane. And I'm telling you, she looked like some ninja turtle. Some, not turtle, just the ninja part. And so, she, I'm serious. She looked like, I don't know. I know if you don't know what ninja is, forget what I said, I was saved from the world. My soul is saved, but I still have a memory. And so I was walking, she was walking towards my father and she approached, never touched him, never spoke to him. She just approached him and then she started, she, she just went behind him and began to put his hand towards him, never touched him, and began to gently and softly speak in tongues. And then I saw my dad as she began to do that radical transformation. He said, you don't have to do a lot. The Spirit of God in you will do everything. You will just be a conduit, a conduit, a pipeline. Not a, a vessel has a bottom. It's okay, we can be a vessel, but a conduit is even better because as you give, he fills. As he fills, you give. A conduit does not have any end or any beginning. It just flows and flows and flows, touches people's lives, changes people, changes their world, gets people saved, transforms people, does not stop. It's a pipeline of power. Like this lady, she was a conduit. And she began to pray over him in tongues, gently and softly. She was not screaming or whatever. You don't have to do any of that. The devil is not impressed with the volume of our voice. He's impressed with the transformation. The more Christ-like we are, the greater the threat to him and his kingdom. And so what happened was, I, I saw to what my dad began to cry. I saw tears just like dropping and I thought, he's crying. And I, I put my arms around and said, Dad, you okay? He said, there it is again. I said, I'm being, it's like something is gripping me. And I said, okay. Well, that lady heard him say that. She came up and grandma came up in front and said, son, that's God. You need the Holy Ghost. <laughs> She's so gentle. She was so sweet. She had this, you know, uh, wonderful, you need the Holy Ghost. And 
And he just nodded his head like a child. And he said, she said, well, would you like to stand up, lift up your hand? He stood up, and that's how easy it's going to be tonight, this morning. He, he stood up, and he lifted his hands. And then she said, well, just begin to worship God. Hallelujah, I love you. And I tell you what, he worshiped God for maybe, he just said, hallelujah, I love you, Jesus, for about 10 seconds. After that, words began to come out of him. And she said, well, that's a, my father spoke in tongues as the Holy Ghost baptized him. And the Spirit of God gave him utterance. My father was filled with the Holy Ghost. I was crying and talking in tongues. The grandmother was just smiling like as though she knew all along this was going to happen. And my father was crying and speaking in tongues. I didn't know what to do. And then the grandmother looked at him and said, Well, now that you've got the Holy Ghost, son... You need to be baptized. We need to take you into the water and so that your sins will be all cleansed and everything will be great. And then he looked at her and went, okay. And I'm like, who are you? <laughs> My father is a strong man, doesn't listen to anybody but himself and whatever. But, but this, this lady who had that radical transforming spirit in her could get a Hindu chief priest into the waters of baptism. My father went into the water. We called the pastor of the church. Pastor comes down. He takes my father to a baptistry, really a river, because we didn't have a baptistry in that building at that time. But we went to a nearby creek and baptized. My dad came out. When he came out, you see every Hindu priest, they wear a red thread on their wrist. It is to tie them to the priesthood of Hinduism. And so my father came out of the water. He looked at the red thread. He snapped it open and said, I don't need that anymore. Well, he came, pastor, he came out of the water. He came out of the water. He looked at me and he said, I don't believe it. I said, Dad, you wanted to tell me about the business. Remember, that's why you came to see me at church. You wanted to tell me about the business, what's happening. Aren't you going to? He said, I'm not worried about it. Jesus will sort it out. Okay. See, that's radical transformation. You stop worrying about the stuff that you usually would worry about. You'd say, Jesus is going to handle it. Jesus will sort it out. You, you're, not, you're, not, uh, you, you're not worried anymore. Because radical transformation. I, uh, listen, how many here right now that are jumping and worshiping God, right now you are anxious or depressed? You know why? Because you are being filled with the Spirit. You got no time to be anxious or depressed. You're excited about the God. You can feel the Holy Ghost in this place. That is why you're not feeling all that negative feelings. Unless, of course, a few days later, if you're not doing what you're doing right now, those thoughts will come. Because we're human. Radical transformation is when the Spirit of God being full of the Holy Ghost. Not just filled. Filled is one time. Full is you're filled all the time. I don't want us to be just filled. I want us to be full of the Holy Ghost. As a difference. And so, so my dad comes out of the river and we're walking towards the car. And he said, so, do you think I need to go tell mom? I said, no. 
Now, don't go do that. Don't ruin it. Why don't you enjoy Jesus for about five years and then tell mom? I know my mother. She, she, so he said, well, what do I do? I said, look, dad, I have two brothers. I said, you've got to get them to this church or in my apartment. Because they're, they cut ties with me as well. Meaning they love me, but they were told not to contact me, right? So he said, that's right. I will get both the boys to your apartment this week. I said, yes. My dad wanted to evangelize immediately. Radical transformation. That's what Jesus Jesus doesn't play. He don't play. He gets a hold of you. He takes you from zero to 160 seconds. Yeah, like a Lamborghini. No, I'm just kidding. Better than that. Anyway, and so he, um, he said, okay, I'll bring the brothers. I said, okay. He said, but I want to tell you, Mom. I said, you do whatever you, what God leads you to do. You got the Holy Ghost. You've been baptized. You pray about it. Okay. Well, he did tell my mother, and my mother almost wanted to disown my father. She said, oh, I'm not talking about it. You're not bringing any kind of Christian religion or any other religion in this house. We are Hindus. We are temple priests, and that's how we're going to stay. That's my mother. My father said, okay. Father loves her. He respected that. And he said, okay, I won't talk about anything. But he went and told my brothers, his daddy. He said, you two in my car on Wednesday. We're going to go visit your sister. And if you open your mouth about it to your mother, you'd hear from me. He threatened my brothers. I don't care how you do it. I don't care. You've got clout, use it. If you have clout with anyone, they respect you, use the clout and proclaim Jesus. That's all. Before your clout runs out. And so, he brought my brother, Sister Wilson, he brought my brothers to my apartment. I put, I mean, I just put a, 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 a CD of music that I, I love listening to, worship music, it was hymns, it was playing, I was praying before they come, they came and, and um, the whole apartment was filled with God's presence, I felt Jesus, my father walked in, he felt Jesus, my brother sat down, we shared the gospel, I said, God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. You see, in another month from them, my two brothers were going to be ordained as Hindu priests. So I had to get with them as quickly as possible. Once they are ordained, it's, it's going to be a bigger problem, spiritually as well. They were not ordained yet. Both my brothers were in my apartment. God filled them with the Holy Ghost. My father and I took them to the church. They got baptized. One of my brothers... One of my brothers, after several years Bible study and, and going to Bible uh, school and, and, and proving himself, one of my brothers applied for a minister's license. He preaches the gospel. My other brother married a preacher's daughter and has moved to Canada. I don't know why, but he did. <laughs> That's okay. Try not to hold it against him. But anyway, so he went and so, and, and, um, and, and that's it. My mom, no, she's not saved, not yet. She refused to talk to me. But a few years after my dad was baptized, she began to answer my phone calls. Today, she calls me two or three times a week. I'm not even sure there's a good idea or whatever. <laughs> two to three times a week, she'll call me. And I had, um, when I was struggling with COVID not long ago, she would call me every day. Are you doing this? Are you taking that? Are you sleep? Are you taking this vitamin and this stuff like that? And so she's now become very close to me. 
And she's, she's not well, her leg, she's got rheumatoid arthritis. So when she calls me, she'll say, I'm in pain. I said, well, okay, mom. She said, will you pray? I said, yeah, yeah. She said, well, you know, very proud woman. Daughter, granddaughter of high priests. She said, well, I know who you pray to. And, you know, you pray to him. Sure, I'll pray to Jesus. She said, well, that's what I meant. <laughs> sure, Mom, no problem. And over the phone, I would pray. She won't hang up. I would pray, and then after finishing prayer, she'd hang up. So one day, my cousin calls me from Malaysia. Where I was born. My cousin calls me and says, hey, Bonnie, yeah, your mom went to church. And I'm like, what? What church? My cousin is not Christian either. So she, didn't, she said, I don't know. She called me, asked me to drop her off at some church. I dropped her off. You know what's going on? No, I'm gonna find out. I said, are you talking about a Christian church? She said, yes, you don't think I know the difference? She said, well, I, I'm just checking. So I call my mother and I said, hey mom, so how's your week? She said, good. So you, you I don't, Jenny called and said you went to church. She said, yeah, I did. Huh, do you know why? She said, well, my leg was in pain and I called you and you prayed over it and it was healed. So, so I wanted to know, you know, cause I know, I know who healed it. I'm like, I almost wanted to say, say it, who? No, I love my mother. And I'm like, okay, yes, Jesus healed you. She said, yeah, that's who I meant. And uh, I didn't know, I didn't know what to do. So I thought that maybe he might like flowers. So I went and got a bunch of flowers, went to this church and wanted to give it to him. So I don't know whether I did the right thing. Do you think he'd like my flowers? I said, yeah, I'm pretty sure he'd like your flowers. Probably knows them by name, you know, all of the flowers. Yeah, he made them mom. So yeah, he likes flowers. Guaranteed. I'm probably, he likes flowers. He loves you, but he likes those flowers. He said, well, thank, and then she said, well, thank God, you know, because, because I didn't know what to do. So I went and looked and there was a pastor in that church. And I said, uh, can you give this to, you know, your God? Because he healed me. <laughs> she's not baptized yet, but she's about this close. I've been talking to her about scripture. I've been talking to her on the phone about the blood of Jesus and the need for the Holy Ghost. I've been, let me tell you something. When you are radically transformed, I want to speak right now. If, if you are here, if you are here, I want the entire church to come forward in a minute. Oh, yeah, you know what? Not in a minute. Come now. It's okay. You can come now. I'm done. It's 1140. And I know it's Sunday and there's lunch and everything, but I'm not going to keep you long. But I want to ask you this. If you are someone that has been here or you've been with the Lord in the past, but you found yourself that you kind of, you didn't walk away. It's not that you walked away or you don't like Jesus anymore. But you kind of felt, you know, you, you were not as excited. You're not as excited now as you used to be, or you're not on fire now as you used to be. You, you want that radical transformation. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you've been disappointed, discouraged, and you kind of sort of walked away from how it was, but you still believe. If that's you, can you come up right in front and be bold about it? If that's you. 
Thank you. Thank you. That's bold. Anyone else? You just felt, you know, I could do better. I've been there. See, this story I'm telling you is 30 years old. 30 years ago this happened. You don't think in 30 years I have had discouragements and, and you know, uh, kind of tired in my faith or tired. I've had that. And you felt that, you know, I, I still believe in him. You know, he's still my God, but I just don't, I want that back. I'm not going to use, you know, oh, well, your back's, I'm not going to use that word. I'm, I'm just going to say that if you feel that you've somehow just gone on a journey and you feel far away from him and you, you want to be refilled, you're still in that covenant, but you want to be refilled. Can you come up, please, whoever it is, is if that's you, I don't care what, how old, how young you are, could you come? I don't know what it is, but I feel to personally pray for you, sir, with that yellow t-shirt. Would you come, please? Would some men come with him and stand next to him? I feel to pray for you, sir. I feel that God wants to do something very, very special in your life. And, and, and there is a desire in your heart to want it. You just, you just feel that, well, how do, I, how do I get back? You know, some people, there's a desire, and God sees that desire. You just don't know how to get back. Anyone else? Let's get, get, let's get with some of these ladies that have come forward boldly. They've walked up boldly and saying, hey, I want to be, be back where it was or even better. I want to be radically transformed. Can some ladies get with these ladies? Please. If you are visiting here, if this is, this is not where you normally attend and you're visiting, might be your first time, it might be your second or third time, and you want... To be, you want to be radically transformed. You want to be given. You want God to fill you with the baptism of his power. Could you come forward? Could you, could you, if you look around, if there's somebody unfamiliar, would you invite them to come forward? Because, and they can come this side. They can come over here. Is there anyone here you're visiting? That you're visiting? That this is not necessarily where you go, but get, can someone bring them forward? Go boldly and bring them. Pastor and his altar team, the people that he has appointed, whoever it is, you go ahead and look for those visitors and we want to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. You were you baptized. You just got your certificate today. Congratulations. Oh my goodness. Well, you're going to get the Holy Ghost like really easy because you've already obeyed. You've obeyed the, the you know, at least most of the gospel. Come on. Over here. Anyone else, sir? Would you be? Come on, let's pray with you. What is your name? Kelsey and James. Is that your boy? Is that your boy? Carter? Carter? Hi, Carter. <laughs> All right. Anyone else? Anybody else? You have, you have, you want to be filled with the baptism of power. Don't be afraid. Just come quickly forward. If, if you look around and there's people that you don't recognize, invite them, bring them forward and say, hey, let's go receive the Holy Ghost. 
It doesn't make you a member of this church. But it does make you radically transformed. Amen? You will recognize, and I'm going to say this before we pray. You will recognize that God has radically reformed your thoughts, your relationship, and the way you would raise Carter. Your attitude, your faith level, your lifestyle, your habits, you will feel that they're radically transformed. God will use you when you're radically transformed. He will use you in the gift of faith, the gift of healing, the gift of going to hospitals where people can be healed because you prayed for them. And this is for the rest of the church as well, not just for visitors or those that have walked away, but this is for you to stop doubting God loves you just because, I don't know, you've been sick or you've lost a job or a relationship. God is about to move you to a position of greater provision. God is going to leave your life so radically transformed, your family members won't recognize you. Your closest friends won't recognize you. The people... The people that have become used to your, your situation, they may have become used to the depression and anxiety. They're going to look at you and say, hey, what's wrong? What's happened to you? What's happened to you? you? You seem so much happier. You seem stronger. You seem more powerful. What's happened to you? I want people to talk about you, to say that these people have got it. They've got the Holy Ghost. They lay hands and people are healed. They have that radical transforming power. So you ready? Let's lift up our hands all over the house. If those of you, if you know someone that has walked away and you want to pray with them, pray with them now. Pray with them now. Now we're going to, now wait, wait people, hold on, lift up your hands. We're going to repent. I'm going to lead you into repentance because we've got to repent to shut some doors. Yes, because we want the blood of Jesus to cover all of that. Father, in the name of Jesus, I repent. Come on, let's open our mouth, ask God to forgive us of every worry, every fear, every ungodly thought, action, every lifestyle that is not of God that we may have pursued intentionally, inadvertently. Father, forgive me. I need your blood to cover me. I want your blood to cover me. All of my sins will be covered. As I repent, I want to be restored to you in Jesus' name. Say in Jesus' name. Now I'm going to ask Pastor Vasquez, as your shepherd and the angel of this church, I want him to come and give that word of faith for you to receive the Holy Ghost. This is the whole church. I want to receive the Holy Ghost every day because I need to be full, not just filled. So if pastor comes, he's going to give you the word of faith. I'm going to come down and pray with you. Amen. Let's lift our hands to heaven. If you're hungry for God, that's just all I want you to tell him. God, I'm hungry for you. I want more of you. And as you begin to talk to him, God's going to meet you right now. In the name of Jesus, I don't want you to say religious phrases that you think that you have to say. I want you just to talk to God. God, I need you to help me. God, I've not been what I ought to be. God, my marriage needs you. Whatever the situation may be, I want you just to speak. I want you just to speak, and then you open your mouth as the Holy Ghost begins to touch you, and you let the Spirit of the Lord flow through you right now. In the name of Jesus, I want you to begin talking to God right now. 
in the name of Jesus, by the authority of the Word of God and by the power of the name of Jesus, I pray for the Spirit of the Lord to fall in this place. In the name of Jesus, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Open your mouth and praise Him. In the name of Jesus. That's right. Open your mouth and talk to Him. The Holy Ghost is here to touch you. The presence of the Lord is here to touch you right now. Go ahead. Let it flow out of you. Don't you let, don't let guilt, don't let regret, don't let condemnation stop you right now from opening your mouth and talking to God. That's right. Hallelujah. That's right. Just talk to him.